Welcome to Westside Family Fellowship in Prince George, B.C., Canada. We're all about pursuing God, nurturing community, and strengthening family, with a mission to see all people become a part of God's family. Last week I made the statement that Jesus is the central character from cover to cover in the Bible. That he is the vine or the root, and that everything hangs on him. Today we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is just as central as Jesus. And if we want to live this Christian life, we really, 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 really need the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So I was thinking about Christmas a lot yesterday because we have this Christmas tree. And we decided that today or yesterday was the day to set it up. Woo! I have a lot of opportunity to die to myself on Christmas tree setting up day. Not because I don't love Christmas. Uh, I used to really hate Christmas, but my wife helped me heal in my heart because Christmas when I was a kid was awful. And Christmas became much better. When Ashley and I were first married, I still really did not like Christmas. And she started to soften me to the idea that Christmas is a good thing. And then, of course, when you have kids, Christmas becomes way better, right? Until you realize that you're the dad and you have to do all the work for Christmas. No, pause, like 30% of the work. My wife does most of the work for Christmas. <laughs> but she does the fun things like spend all the money. So we got this artificial Christmas tree and it came pre-wired. Except we didn't buy it. It was given to us because my father-in-law was already at his wit's end with the fact that the lights don't work. So he was like, here, have a gift. <laughs> so every year I take it out, rip all the tape off the box, and me and JJ probably crawled under that tree for 35 minutes yesterday, plugging this one into that one and this one into that one, and we got it about half working, and then I spent the next hour and a half literally ripping off every strand of light on that pre-wired tree. <laughs> Do you know how many zap straps there are on a tree like that? I was just like, in my mind, I'm just like, okay, we'll plug in the ones that work, and then we'll take a bunch of new lights and we'll just put them on top in the dark spots, right? Hey, makes sense, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> no. You can't apparently... It's against some rule somewhere to leave dead lights on the tree. The dead ones all had to come off. I'm still not done. An hour and a half, only two-thirds of the way. Probably more like half because the, it's the bottom third that I still need to do, and it's really big. So, yeah, Christmas time. 
Been thinking a lot about Christmas time. Presents are generally one of the highlights for kids and for those of us that have the love language of gifts. Yay, Christmas time and presents. Really got me thinking about the Holy Spirit. Probably because I called on him for strength yesterday. So let's just recap a little bit. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, but let's recap a little bit. Uh, Last week we talked about Jesus being the vine, John chapter 15, how he's central from cover to cover in the Bible. That the Word, the Holy Scriptures, that's Jesus, he came in the flesh. And now we have this immense blessing of the Bible. And if you don't read your Bible, you're missing out a huge part of what God wants to do in your life. You want to know who God is? Read your Bible. So as we start to talk about the Holy Spirit, there's two fairly distinct camps in the Christian, in, in the Christian world. And that is, well, I'm a, I'm a word person. Just study the word and that's all you need. And then you've got spirit people. Ah, you don't really need to read the Bible. You just need the Holy Spirit. Well, actually, you need all of it. You can't really accurately move in the spirit. With, like, how do you know if it's the spirit unless you read the word? Right? How would you know? How do you test what's going on if you don't compare it to what the scripture says? How do the scriptures come to life unless the Holy Spirit speaks through them to you. Do you understand? You must have both. And don't get sucked in. If you are listening to other, other preachers, and I don't know why, I'm pretty good. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Does anybody feel like static electricity in the air? Like a lightning bolt's brewing? Man. As you're listening or reading other books or pursuing God in that way, and all you hear is the spirit this, the spirit that, and people aren't picking up the Bible and preaching the word of God, take note. Be very careful with what you're listening to. If you're listening or reading and they're talking about the Word of God, but they don't mention that the Holy Spirit is the one that actually works in us, is the Holy Spirit that transforms our mind, then you're going you're gonna to slip in probably into legalism. Just do this, just do that, just do this. How? How do you do it without the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life? You got to have both. The great part is, is that when you read the Bible, when you read Jesus on the page, he just says, here's the gift of the Holy Spirit. And as you, in prayer, as you seek the Holy Spirit, God, talk to me. He starts to take what you put in your mind through the word and he starts to bring it to life. Some people will say, 
Well, you don't really need to read your Bible that much because in the Bible it says that the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance the words that you need when you need them. And that's true. But if there's nothing in there, how can he bring it to remembrance? Right? So in Romans 11, verse 17 and 18, we read lots of Romans 11 uh, last week. It says in verse 17, if some of the branches have been broken off and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. What is the nourishing sap? We talked about the root, being the word, being Jesus. We talked about the support. We don't support the root, remember? He supports us. But now we share in the nourishing sap. What is the nourishing sap? First is salvation. John 3, 5 through 6. See, salvation, Jesus on the cross, he, he came to the earth. He took all the punishment for our sins. And that makes the way of salvation. We don't have any, he paid for all of our sins. He washed us clean. But how do we really get to participate in that salvation? John 3, verses 5 through 6. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God, experience salvation, unless they are born of water and the Spirit. The flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. When we get ingrafted in, the sap has to run in or the branch dies. We need the Holy Spirit to bring new life into us. Thankfully, that's the business of the Holy Spirit. And he does it. All throughout the Bible, we see the Holy Spirit bringing life. And not just life, but powerful life. In the beginning was God, and God spoke. But it says that the Spirit, the Spirit hovered over. And where there was nothing, things started to happen. It was the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the one that came onto the prophets in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit came onto Moses. The Holy Spirit did all of these things. That's the same Holy Spirit that came onto Mary. So Jesus could be conceived. 
Luke 1.35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. That same Holy Spirit that created everything, that moved in the Old Testament, that worked in Mary's womb to give us Jesus, the same Holy Spirit that when Jesus came out of the water, remained on him, came down like a dove and remained on him. In the Old Testament, we see, so what we see that in, in the New Testament is something shifts a little bit. In the Old Testament, the Spirit came and left. The power of the Spirit came onto the prophets or onto the judges and then it would come and go. In the New Testament, we see the dove come down on Jesus and remain on him. Make his home with him. That, um, that's really important because the New Testament now describes the Holy Spirit being a seal in our lives and transforming our lives and working in our lives. So we could probably turn to uh, Acts 2. Acts 2, verse 39. And we'll start in verse 38. So the Holy Spirit comes down in power. And everybody starts speaking in tongues. Different languages. The people question what's going on. Peter stands up and explains what's going on. And then he gives them an instruction and a promise. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39 the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. The promise of the Holy Spirit is for me and for you. There's a teaching out there that says that the power of the Holy Spirit that we see in Acts chapter 2 and in the apostles' lives, that that ended when the apostles died. That's not what it says. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. If you're here today and you're a Christian, God has called you. So this promise is for you. If you're here today and you're not a believer, he's calling you. 
for the people that you interact with every day that don't believe in Jesus, he's calling them. Well, how do you know that? Because you're in their lives. This promise is for them. You need to help them repent. Why? Because they're bad? No. That's not what, that's not what the scripture says. <laughs> Listen. Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Don't repent because you're bad. Repent because you have sin and you can receive God's forgiveness. Too much, too much of the time when we're talking to unbelievers about forgiveness or f- about their sin, we're like, look at your baggage. You got to get rid of that baggage. No. Help them to look at Jesus. Help them to look forward to freedom. You don't have to carry your pain anymore. Jesus wants it. And it comes with a promise. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So if you've, what it means is, is if you've repented and become a Christian, John 3, you've now been born again. You've received the gift of new life, which is the Holy Spirit. And then that promise goes to your children. And it goes on and on and on. So think about how important kids are. Peter just had the Holy Spirit show up, gives this explanation of what's going on. And finally people say, okay, but what does it mean? We believe you, Peter. And he hits some really important things. He talks about repentance, baptism, Jesus, forgiveness, the Holy Spirit, and kids. Let that sink in. Repent because of your sins. Experience forgiveness. Get baptized. That's all personal stuff between you and Jesus. And you'll get the Holy Spirit. And then think about your kids. You'll let that sink in for a minute. And then he says, think about everybody else. So if you're a parent with kids still under your care, mission number one is continually going back to God and saying, okay, God, I need more Holy Spirit. Mission number two is, God, how do I translate this to my kids? How do I live a life that is dependent on the Holy Spirit and on the Word of God so that my kids can see it? Your kids will come, become adults one day and somewhere, hopefully, along this process, they choose to repent for their sins. And that's, that's between them and God. Our job is to live it out. But don't just live it out in a humdrum kind of way. Show your kids the freedom and the love that you've received from God. 
time in our world is coming where we are going to have to be very bold. Where our boldness needs to increase. But the boldness is only going to come out of a place of us already being connected, reading, our, reading the word, and spending time with the Holy Spirit. We need to have a boldness like Stephen. Harder things are coming. Harder, harder things are here. How are our kids going to make it? It seems like the world and our society has just gotten more and more difficult. Now I'm sure every generation can say it. I don't want to sound like every other preacher that's gone past. This is the worst generation. I, I don't know. But I know that I'm going through hard things in our society. I'm watching our country go through hard things. And it seems like it's on the decline. So your faith and your reliance on the word and your reliance on the Holy Spirit has to increase. And then you have to show your kids how to do it. And then for you parents that don't have kids at home anymore, you still have to show them how. We were looking at the, at the structure of the academy a little while ago. And we were talking about why now it seems like it's harder to get more parents engaged in the school than it was, say, in the 80s and the 90s. We had more parental engagement. And we were coming up with all these ideas and whatever about, you know, people just aren't as committed or, you know, all these things. And I was just like, oh, economy actually has a big part to play. In the 80s, there were more single-income families and you could make it. Not everybody. And now, there's like, in the whole school, there's like four. Everybody has to go to work because you got to pay the bills. Life's expensive. Life is busy. But now all of a sudden, surviving is becoming the priority instead of the gospel being the priority. Jesus says, take up your cross, die to yourself. Jesus actually doesn't really care too much if you survive. He considers your death an upgrade. <laughs> it's true. I'm not saying that you should just stop trying to actually pay your bills. Yeah. I can hear some guys that really don't like their job going home later today being like, pastor said I don't have to go to work, honey. <laughs> I would endorse that if you're going out like saving 30 souls a day, then yeah, forget work. But other than that, go pay your bills. So the people that are a little more along the timeline to heaven, 
I did not call anybody old. Stop it. <laughs> you got to show us the way. You got to show us the way. I have two small kids. I've been thrust into a position that I didn't see happening for a decade at least. And me and my wife were looking at our calendars. We've synced our calendars on our phone and we share these calendars. And it's like, hey, you know, we really like Pastor Colin and his wonderful wife, Jamie. We should have them over for dinner in 2027. (laughs) That sounds like a good time. It's challenging. Life's challenging. The Word of God and the Holy Spirit have to be your priority. And then your family right around you. How are you exampling to your family what it means to passionately live for Jesus? Not mediocre live for Jesus. All the way. All the way live for Jesus. Your children will follow your example, not your words. Why can't I get my kid to pray? Does he see you waking up and on your knees praying for 30 minutes every day before you head off to work? Oh, maybe that's not a priority to you. My kid won't pray. Well, I don't pray, so... I'm not picking on anybody. Again, I need a full-length mirror right here. Lucas, are you passionately living for Jesus? Or are you just really angry at Christmas lights? (laughs) It's legit. We need a boldness like our good friend Stephen in Acts chapter 7. He was full of wisdom and grace. He was the first martyr. First one killed for the cause. And when I said Jesus actually doesn't care if you survive or not, the evidence is right here. He's just out there passionately living for Jesus. And the religion of the day killed him for it. They made up lies. And they had him murdered. Because he would he chose to passionately live for Jesus. He didn't care about anything else. And at the end of his sermon, he says this in verse 51, you stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. Meaning, you're still thinking with your flesh. You are like, just like your ancestors. And they praise themselves for being like their ancestors. You're just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? All the prophets got beat up. We like to read ourselves into the scriptures all the time. It's okay. You got to learn the, you got to find some practical application out of the scripture, right? What we end up doing is we end up reading ourselves into the hero spot of the story, right? When I used to work in the school like 20 years ago, the big thing was 
prepare for the zombie apocalypse. And I love that game. Me and Tyler still have an action plan, don't we, Tyler? Hey, thumbs up. I convinced the school board to buy a school bus. They think it's for transporting children. <laughs> Me and Tyler's apocalypse plan. We have a plan. But we we talk is with these teen, especially the teenage boys. The teenage girls really didn't care. But we were like, well, what kind of gun would you get? What kind of? Would you use a sword or a spear? And we'd strategize for hours and hours and hours. Because you know what we thought? We'd be the guy on top of the car, beating up the hordes of zombies. The horde of zombies comes from somewhere. It's probably going to be most of us. We think we're going to be the superhero. When really, most of the time, we're not. We read something like Acts chapter 7, and we go, man, I'm probably like Stephen. I'll preach the gospel. When probably we're the guys who might have a little bit of a stiff neck or resist the Holy Spirit. The, this first martyr, yeah, he's, he's preaching the gospel right there in that moment in time. He's also warning us at the same time, will we be like our ancestors and resist the Holy Spirit? Christian sitting in this room, can you think back over the last 15 minutes or day or a couple of weeks where you know you've resisted the Holy Spirit? The good news is Peter said it's simple. Just repent for the forgiveness of your sins. So when you search your heart and go, ooh, yeah, I think that was the Holy Spirit, and I didn't do it. Simple, just repent. Because that's what Jesus died for, was the forgiveness of those sins. So how do we know? How do we know if we're resisting the Holy Spirit? Let's turn to Galatians 5, verse 13. The NIV has a little subtitle before verse 13 called Life by the Spirit. Just by a show of hands, who wants to live by the Spirit? Good news. Good news. The Bible teaches us a little bit about how to do that. Verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. That is good news. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. You could probably just stop right there. Couldn't you? How do I live by the Spirit? Ignore your flesh, serve one another, and be humble about it. But we get more explanation which is good because I need, I need instructions. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. We talked about that a lot for several weeks. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. This letter is a letter to the church in Galatia, to people who already believe. And Paul, when he wrote things like this, it's because he heard things that were happening. So I say, walk by the Spirit, 
and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. I probably don't need to describe too much about what a desire of the flesh feels like because we all know it. Don't we? It's probably part of the reason why we've repented. Easy example, if you if you are fighting with somebody and what you says, what you say to them makes you feel good, then you're probably sinning. You're probably listening to your flesh. If you're fighting with your spouse later today and you're like, gotcha, excuse me, this conversation is over, I need to go repent. That should be your response because you're living by the flesh. Got it? We try to make this really complex. It's not. It's simple. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. I want to punch the person in the face. (laughs) What is contrary to punching someone in the face? Loving them. Got it? It's simple. The spirit wants what is contrary to the flesh. The flesh wants what is contrary to the spirit. They are in conflict with each other. If you feel torn, that's normal. He just said it's normal. They're in conflict with each other. So that, you are, so that you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. I don't want to be under the law. You don't make it under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Idolatry and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus says, black and white. Because remember, this word was flesh. We don't talk about that portion too much with our kids because we don't want to really educate them. What's, uh, what's debauchery? What's an orgy? I don't need that conversation. <laughs> I'm glad we made up this song about the fruits of the Spirit instead, right? They'll figure out the negative. Let's try to just reinforce the positive. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's love. I'm really upset with this person. Holy Spirit, help me to love them. It's joy. I'm pretty depressed. Holy Spirit, help me. Peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control against such things there is no law those who belong to christ jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires since we live by the spirit let us keep in step with the spirit let us not become let us not become conceited provoking and envying each other just keep in step with the spirit And be okay. There's something spiritual going on in there. 
So I have a question, and this is something that you just need to think about. Where are you stepping outside of what the Holy Spirit is calling you to? And is staying in step with Him more important than the other things that you have going on in your life? Now often, what you're doing in your life is what God's calling you to do. But as you're going about your day-to-day life, are you willing to put what you have as a priority on hold for what God's calling you to do? It could be a big thing. Would you be willing to be late for dinner to boldly proclaim the gospel to someone and save on foods? Would you be willing to have your spouse ruin dinner because they were at Save on Foods getting ingredients for dinner? Or is that just going to make you angry? Now again, I don't know what God's calling you to. But we got to stay in step with the Holy Spirit. We need Him. And where we don't know, it's simple. Holy Spirit... Help. But then be bold enough to change the way you behave when you read in the Word and it tells you to do something different. Or when you see or you sense the Holy Spirit calling you in a direction, actually be willing to change. And I know it's difficult. Change is hard. as we're coming up on the, on the Christmas season and we think all about the birth of Jesus and how that changed everything for the human race, we need to embrace the idea that it's, he's still changing us and that we don't need to remain the same. He wants us to grow and he wants the priority to be us following him and leading people to Jesus. And that should be the priority for everything that we do. Otherwise, why do it? Let's pray. Well, Father God, we thank you for um, thank you for changing humanity, for giving us an opportunity to be in right relationship with you through the cross. I thank you for dying for our sins, Jesus but not just dying, but rising from the dead to save us. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you dwell in each individual. That we don't need to come to church to be able to to experience you. We probably just need to fall on our knees and cry out to you. Or we need to climb a mountain and experience the glories of what you've made or we need to interact with our families and be a light shining for them. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're always at work in our hearts and in our minds. And I pray for anybody here that, that as they kind of think about it, they know they're holding back from you in some sort of area of their life. God, I pray that you just help them to simply repent and say, Jesus, have your way in that area of my life. Holy Spirit, take over. And in that, we will be able to shine your gospel to the rest of the world.
because they'll just simply see, man, there's something different about these people. There's love and there's joy and there's peace. And when I come to and, and hang out with them in their church, there's unity. There's no biting of each other. There's peace and harmony. So Holy Spirit, during this Christmas season, I ask that you would just give us new eyes to see what it is that, that you're doing in us as individuals, in our families, and in this church. We don't want our good ideas. We want you, Holy Spirit, to guide us. Help us to see you. Help us to hear you. Help us to sense you. However it is that we connect as individuals, help us, Holy Spirit, to follow your leading with boldness. There are people on their way to destruction. Help us to be the ones calling them off of that path onto your path, God. Make it start in our hearts and in our marriages, in our relationships, with our kids, and in this church and in this city, God. We thank you that we can always trust you. And we just submit to your move, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Sunday morning sermon from Westside Family Fellowship. Find out more about us at our website, wffpg.ca, and on Facebook and Instagram.